Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast, a safe space dedicated to the hearts and minds of African-American men. Today's work environment presents some unique challenges for Black men, and they can sometimes feel overstressed, overburdened, and at the same time undervalued and underappreciated. The Corporate Minister Podcast is about speaking a word of support, encouragement, and healing to the men in these spaces, as well as to those who love and support them. We also seek to provide a means for others to understand these men, their hopes, dreams, and challenges, in order to bridge the gaps and create a dialogue. Our guiding principles in these discussions are the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Our bedrock scripture, and the one that underpins all of our work here, can be found in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, where it is written, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. With that, we welcome you to the Corporate Minister Podcast, presented by your host, the Reverend Dwayne Dixon. Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast. My name is Dwayne Dixon, and I serve on the ministerial staff at Progressive Baptist Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm also a technology executive, and I've been in corporate America for more than 25 years. My calling is to minister to the needs of men who are sometimes forgotten, educated men of color. The world sees job titles, the degrees, the outer trappings of success, and often draws the conclusion that these men don't need ministry. My experience has taught me that nothing could be farther from the truth. My objective here is to bring a word from the Lord that will serve as a beacon of hope, solace, and encouragement. Every few weeks, we address one particular topic, stress, fear, pressure, male bonding, failure, and success, and we see what the Word of God has to say about it. From there, we bring in a guest speaker and explore the topic in a bit more detail, and with a little bit of luck, you'll hear something that blesses you. About that, I want to hear from you. Please drop us a line at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's the corporate minister at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your feedback, and your ideas. I want to make this a space that's comfortable and relevant. And on that note, let's get started. Today's topic is who's sharpening your iron, seeking and cultivating mentors. Our scripture comes from Proverbs 27, 17, and I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I love that scripture, the imagery of it. I, I see powerful hands holding strong blades, blades being struck against one another, creating heat, friction, sparks, and ultimately razor sharpness a blade that's ready to go to work. And that's what today's episode is all about, helping to get our personal razor sharpness so we can do our best work. Well, how do we prepare to have our iron sharpened? It starts with letting go and realizing that we don't know everything and being wise enough to listen to counsel, to listen to someone who's willing to help us think differently open our minds, and grow. But that's not always easy. Somebody told me a long time ago, growth can hurt when you're grown. It's hard to show the weakness and vulnerability that comes with saying, 
I don't know. Show me. Let me give you a little bit background on this scripture and its origin. Proverbs was written by Solomon, and he was considered the wisest man in the world. He actually authored three books in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and Proverbs. In these books, he gives practical, usable advice on life. Proverbs is the first of the three, and Solomon wrote most of it early in his reign as king. Solomon studied, taught, judged, and wrote. Because he was so wise, kings and leaders from other nations came to Jerusalem to learn from him. Now, Proverbs covers a wide range of topics, youth, discipline, family life, business matters, marriage, you name it, it's in there. Solomon was a wise man, and he provided many powerful lessons in the book of Proverbs, again, including today's scripture. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, if we can agree that Solomon was wise, and we agree that having the sharpest iron, our sharpest selves, is necessary, how do we make that actionable? I happen to believe that the key is to put yourself into position to be mentored. And you do that by seeking the people who are in the places that you want to one day be. About seven years ago, I was in a tough job. I was running the sales organization of a technology company. And doing that job came with some very tough tasks and choices. Choices that left me feeling wrung out, unsure, and alone. And I thought to myself, Dwayne, you need to connect yourself with some people who have some experience at this, some people who you can trust to give you guidance. Well, as it turns out, the local chapter of the National Black MBA Association was having a panel discussion of successful black executives. So I decided to go. Now, the Black MBA Association is an outstanding group. They typically have outstanding programming with outstanding people And this particular event was a perfect example. The panel, which is a group of folks talking about how they had been successful and what it took to get to where they were, it included several nonprofit CEOs, a senior finance leader, and a senior marketing executive. And the marketing executive really caught my eye. He was a very senior leader with a Fortune 200 company, and he was a big man with a big personality. He spoke boldly with power and charisma and assurance. I was like, whoa, this brother reminds me of me. I need to get with him to learn what he's done to get where he is. After the event, I went up to him, introduced myself and asked him point blank. I am super impressed with the way you handle yourself and what you've achieved. Can we get together for coffee one day just so I can hear more about your story? He was more than willing And we met for breakfast the next week, and that started a relationship that I treasure to this day. We've both moved on to different roles in different companies, but he's still a resource, friend, and confidant. Knowing him, spending time with him, and learning from him opened my mind to all kinds of new thinking, new relationships, and new possibilities. And all that started with my making a definitive step to find someone who would help me sharpen my iron. I think finding those types of people starts with actively seeking those kinds of people. 
And when you find them, making sure that you take the time and effort to learn from them and accept their wisdom. And on that note, I want to introduce today's guest. The Reverend Dr. James Miles is a consultant, author, teacher, entrepreneur, and minister. His consulting work lies in two specific areas, evidence-based resilience and coherence as a leadership and group performance skill, and community development, engagement, and leadership that promote participatory capacity building and shared socioeconomic development. His client list includes universities, municipal government agencies, community-focused corporations, faith-based organizations, and international non-governmental organizations. Dr. Miles is the founding partner of the Resilient Communities Initiative and serves on the board of Social Enterprise Chicago and was appointed by Governor Pritzker to the Illinois State Health Improvement Plan Implementation Coordination Council. Dr. Miles is an ordained Baptist minister affiliated with Tridestone Baptist Church Chicago, and he's also a 10-year veteran of the United States Marine Corps. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Management Information Systems from Park University. He holds a Master of Divinity degree from Virginia Union University, a Doctorate of Ministry degree from Virginia Union University, a PhD in public policy and administration from Walden University. He studied at Harvard Divinity School and at Howard University Divinity School. And last but not least, he's a good brother of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. It is my pleasure to present the Reverend Dr. James Leon Miles. How you doing, Rev? I'm doing good, Reverend Dixon. How about yourself? I'm doing really, really good, and I'm glad you could join us today. Oh, um, my honor. You keep very busy teaching, consulting, writing. Can you tell our audience more about what you're up to these days? Oh, absolutely. We've got some really neat uh, projects. One, um, on the community side, we actually are um, embedding uh, the science of resilience in a community development project where we're recruiting two businesses to come into the Inglewood area who then will hire 10 citizens, a residents of Inglewood. And we, the goal is to start seeing the dollar turnover as part of a core a development effort um, that ties to housing, uh, social welfare, economic development, et cetera. Really exciting and putting that science in there. We also are working with um, a group called Kids Rank and we're designing tools that, uh, and Kids Rank works with military connected families and children. Mm -hmm. So there we are actually uh, teaching um, the facilitators, the adults, as well as bringing programs to the children and their um, families so that they can learn how to handle the stress and pressures of this uh, shifting season we're in and all the things going on in the military. And we get a chance to do some research with them. Um, and then the, the last one I'll share is that we're doing a project with uh, Patient Center Outcome Research at the National Institutes of Health. Mm. That's looking at um, one of the questions is how resilience shows up um, in community uh, wellness um, agendas. Really, really exciting, uh, kind of leading edge. And I'm just excited that we are um, a part of it. That is outstanding. That is outstanding work. Now, 
you're no con- no stranger to the concept of seeking and utilizing mentors. Matter of fact, you were blessed to have one of the most distinguished Black ministerial voices in history as your mentor, Dr. Kane Hope Felder. How does 2717 matter to you? How has that shown up for you? You know, Reverend Dix, there's a couple of things that, that come out. Um, one is that a mentor-mentee relationship is not one way. Okay. Um, it really is uh, both and on an interpersonal level, it's a two-way relationship. And then there's also this sense of what is the context, mm. what's the cauldron in which that relationship takes place, because there's some iron sharpening right there. Right. And and the ideal of learning how to navigate space and time and relationship. And Dr. Felder um, was just uh, just absolutely pivotal at a season when all of that was shifting in my life. Ah. Now, you've had an amazing ministry journey. I mean, we talked about your background from the military to multiple degrees, and ministry is interspersed in that. Can you share with our audience how you got here? Yeah. So I was licensed. um, So the Marine Corps took me out to Washington, D.C. I worked with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Mm-hmm. And so it, during that season, got involved with a local church, uh, First Baptist of North Brentwood, Maryland. And that was a church where I got licensed into uh, gospel ministry in 1987. Mm-hmm. Then um, I wound up uh, getting ordained at uh, St. Paul Baptist Church, still in that Prince George's County area of that Washington, D.C., greater Washington area. I got uh, ordained for Christian education. Okay. Um, while I was at uh, Howard, um, studying actually with uh, Dr. Felder, and then um, I went down to uh, Richmond, Virginia, to because uh, I wanted to sit in on classes with Dr. John Kenny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Dr. Jeremiah Wright actually um, advised me to connect with Dr. John Kenny. So I went down and I finished up my master's there. Okay. And started working at First Baptist Church. So that First Baptist Church of North Brent, I mean, of, um, um, I'm sorry, Trinity Baptist Church. I'm mixing my churches. <laughs> Trinity Baptist Church in Richmond. Okay. It's about a 5,000 member church um, at the time. And, and so there were four of us that were considered kind of the, the senior ministerial team. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there for five years, um, went to Charlotte. And worked um, at University Baptist Church with uh, Claude Alexander, who's now Bishop Claude Alexander. And then I came up here and worked with Jeremiah Wright in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So there was quite a, a movement through and along the way, though I was ordained for Christian education, I wound up being the special projects, community economic development finance guy. Okay. Because I was the the guy who kind of made the, you know, just was able to work on different projects and help the church ministry and message um, come alive in these other extra uh, ministry ways. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's kind of the the journey and this kind of eclectic nature. Um, The only thing that's good to know is I started out professionally as a computer systems engineer. (laughs) So that cyst and then the military. Mm -hmm. So between those two dynamics, um, it gave me a great foundation for bringing, um, you know, management, systems thinking, mm-hmm. 
um, and all that into the ministry um, work. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that um, because one could make the, the, the supposition that that type of structured systems thinking that comes out of an MIS background might be incompatible with ministry. I mean, as a business guy, um, you know, I, I do, I got one foot in corporate America and one foot in the pulpit and, and, and people wonder how sometimes those things work together. But, but like you, I happen to believe that those things are complementary um, and that they, 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 they create some synergy when you combine them. Absolutely. In fact, I would go even further to say anyone with a ministry that's growing, whether in quality or quantity, is automatically in a systems conversation, whether you want to label it that way or not. Okay. Okay. Say more and, about that. Well, think about what, what we're trying to do. One is you got a communication. Right. The pulpit is a, a communication platform, and you're using different tools and techniques. What's what's the efficacy of what you're sharing and caring with that congregation? Mm-hmm. How are they transforming transforming that into action? Um, is that action supporting the ministry or actually putting the ministry at risk? Uh, you, you get that. I Number do. Two, the 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 Jesus archetype just in and of itself. You know this idea of just take simply organize the disciples into twos and give them instructions on how to do community engagement and bring back information um, to just do a poll to see who's with us and who's not. There you go. You know, again, you you, you get these systems where there's a data flow in the midst of it. Right. Um, and what does that look like? And so when we bring that back to modern day, how can we sit in the midst of all the dynamic interactions that take place in your typical um, ministry, mm-hmm. uh, particularly within an African-American community and some of our, um, you know, more diverse communities, there's a lot of different things happening there. How do you convert that into action that's sustainable and then determine what's healthy um, for your calling and those who call to take the journey with you? There you go. And, you know, that's interesting. It kind of leads into a question I had on my mind. As we look at this discussion and we look at this scripture, What's the key takeaway? What's the key message for, for brothers who who are struggling and need to find and develop those mentoring relationships? You know, um, Reverend Dixon, I love the way you introduced the scripture. Uh, one, uh, friction, tension, heat, sparks. So I, I say all that to say uh, comfort is not your friend, mm. but connection is okay that's one and then the idea that in order for there to be a a sharp edge there's two things that a sharp edge says one is that there's a good chance you didn't start that way right or that you couldn't stay that way so you had to be willing to be open to change right number two is that uh if it's sharp it can cut you too Mm. and so the ideal of developing a discipline like a warrior would mm-hmm. to know how to um, both be in that cauldron of activity, you know, that kind of place, the mixing of all that, and then to know how to how to behave as you're in it and also to know when to get out of it. There you go. There you go. Well said. Well said. You know, 
these are unsettling times. You alluded to that earlier, but but these are very unsettling times, this, this season that we're in. How does this message speak to such a time as this? Oh, you know, so I was just thinking about, um, we, we mentioned Dr. Phil, and that's our, my primary focus. Um, but one of the things that got me there was uh, where I got ordained. And uh, Pastor uh, Dr. Bob Williams, he called me to the side and he said, you know, uh, Miles, leaders need to know, he was talking about the pastor, the traditional, you know, community congregational ministry. So, you know, leading in this space, you need to know if you're called to um, help bring stability to the people or are you called to shake things up? Okay. And what he was trying to help me understand was that I was clearly a shake things up person mm-hmm. where I was being, I was pos- positioning myself in stabilizing places that did not match. Mm-hmm. So now I say that to say to your question, right now we're in a, a season where I entire, almost all institution, all um, social institutions, government, um, and even corporate are in some state of flux. That's right. And we also are in a time when the sense of identity is under challenge from many, many angles and many diverse ways, which add, which creates complexity. Mm-hmm. So that means that you can't just go borrow the template from someone and put it to use and expect it to just work and yield. Mm-hmm. A, a 1950s template um, if it's still useful, would clearly need some upgrade. That's right. Or else we'd be driving Model T cars still. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And so this ideal now is that this ideal of, of, of iron sharpening iron is a dynamic space. So, you know, out of the military, you have this concept called VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a whole management structure um, because the military realized that the battlefield has transformed so much that even the clear lines um, aren't there. That's right. And so in ministry, we have to have so much, a much more dynamic um, view of what it means to work with, serve and lead in this time of change. Um, Whereas when most people and many congregational settings are looking for stability. Mm, mm. And so you still can have stability as in constancy. You can have stability in other ways, but you have to have it in the face of a lot of change. How do you do that? And there's some sharpening of the sword um, that needs to take place both externally as well as internally, who I am. Um, And how is that evolving? And that's a direct transfer, not just with ministry, but people who are in leadership in organizations um, going through those same types of things. So that's that's a powerful word. Now, let me ask you this question. Are there any resources around this books, websites, information that you'd like to share with the audience? So, you know, can I share concepts? Sure. Okay. Um, I do think that the whole. Reading on VUCA mm-hmm. uh, is really good. So it's V-U-C-A. Mm-hmm. And looking at some of the discussions and models about complexity and all, I think that um, ministers and ministries would do good looking into um, 
this is a social change from a policy perspective. Okay. So there's a, a John Kingdon's uh, three streams in policy entrepreneurship are, uh, are great pieces there. Then this ideal of resilience. You know, I'm not, obviously I'm sharing key hot buttons that I work with, mm-hmm. but on resilience, there's a science of resilience that basically says that it's not just about bouncing back, but it's also moving forward, even in the face of adversity mm. and how that's done in a way that's healthy. So we, an example, we teach um, each other sometimes how to be fake in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and and the ideal is the science of resilience lets you know that that heart brain connection no matter what you may look like on the outside, if there's not some sense of integrity internally, you're now putting damage and extra strain on your organs, yes, which you ultimately limits your ability to be as effective as you could be in ministry. So understanding this ideal of wellness and understanding that I, I heard a young lady say, and I know I'm going a little further than just um, resources, but I heard a young lady say, that we just buried someone who died of diabetes, but we're serving all the food that killed them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so learning these kind of things. Um, and then there's there's a, a, a model called revitalization movement theory, Anthony Wallace. It's a dated model that is still very relevant. Um, and the idea is how do you have short cycle culture change within a larger context? Okay. And there's steps that show you at each stage, what to look for, what to expect, including the backlash from your own and the larger society. And then what happens when you become now the new standard and there's something else to challenge you. Um, So these are some resources and concepts that I think would be extremely useful in a time like this. We'll make sure that we get that information cataloged and, 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 and served up. Um, when 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 we present this podcast to the audience, let me um, as we come to the end of our time together, and I'm just so thankful that you would, would spend some time blessing the audience today. Do you have a final thought that you'd like to share? You know, can I tell you a, a Dr. Felder story? Sure. So um, the, the, the funny thing is, Dr. Felder said that I was the only person who started out paying him and he wanted to pay me more. <laughs> okay. Um, and what happened was we were in Israel and through a, a, a sequence of conversations and, and misunderstandings of others in the trip, he and I had our most direct discussion. And out of that discussion, he agreed to mentor me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted him to write a curriculum for me. Okay. And I was going to pay him to do that. So he agreed to mentor me every other week, but I had to sit in on his New Testament class at Howard. Okay. That led to me becoming a seminarian. Now, fast forward um, through a sequence of events, I started managing his national and international um, activities and helping design some of that. And as we went along, he told me a story. So we were on a plane going to Israel one year on one of our many trips overseas. And he said, I was asking the question, who ministers to the minister? Ah. And um, and I would go around and ask all these different leaders. And I had a chance to meet, you know, nations of Islam. In fact, we met two guys who were considered pioneers who worked with Elijah Muhammad. Um, they were in their 80s. We met um, 
just a, a range of people. So sure. many people were drawn to Dr. Felder. And so he said, you're doing primary field research. I had no idea what that meant uh, at the time. That, years later, I, I clearly do. And then we got into a discussion uh, a few years later where he told me a story that when he was working on his doctorate, and in fact, um, Dr. James Cohn intervened. Oh. What he said was that the people who um, he was um, studying under they didn't want to pass him because they didn't like the fact that he was critiquing some of their friends. Ah. And so, you know, I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, he, he had to make some changes to his dissertation, but with some of James Cone's um, intervention, he did um, pass that dissertation mm -hmm. um, defense and went forward as we know to be one of the uh, great scholars. I mean, mm -hmm. just amazing. But in, in us talking, even in the, my, my last conversation was a few, uh, you know, a couple of months before he passed, we were talking about what it means. And he was so concerned about the leadership of the black community. Mm. And we're sitting in this kitchen and, and just going over all these experiences we had. And even he and I had a fallout for a bit and got back together, mm -hmm. you know, but just what, what it means to have relationships right. that help strengthen and provide what our people need, okay. both you know, the learning and burning. And that's both within our church structures and in this broader community. And this notion of, um, you know, seeing this great giant of a man um, literally in tears, mm. uh, concerned about that just brought down a, a bit of realism about these relationships and, you know, um, both the love and challenge that we need to make room for as we help equip each other to be effective out here. And that, Reverend, is a powerful word to end on. I want to just close out by thanking you so much for taking the time um, to connect with me, to connect with my audience, and just to share and bless us today. Thanks so much, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been my honor, and I look forward to uh, learning more about your audience as we go forward. Sounds like a winner, my friend. You take care now. Thanks for joining us at The Corporate Minister. We appreciate your spending time with us, and we would love to hear from you. If you have show ideas, prayer concerns, or if you are blessed by what you heard today, please drop us a note at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.